0: sweet. All right, so by way of review real quick. Hey, hey Jared, Jared. Up here. Who? Yeah, we're we're teaching, dude. Pay attention. Open your heart. Open your heart. All right. Whoa, that ripped. All right. So real quick, by way of review, um, we've been going through the will of God for my life, and I thought it was interesting. So last week we did Obey Authorities um and i was having a conversation with my dad my dad's on the school board for northwest school district and any of you guys who have spent i don't know less than five seconds with my dad know he's a very conservative person despises covid and masks and all that crap and he's very outspoken about it well he was talking to how many of you guys in here go to north canton <laughs> yeah i do um who's your principal which one which school high school high school
1: Come on, you got to know.
0: I'm disappointed. Mr. Bornstein, Eric Bornstein. All right, so he was talking to Eric Bornstein, who was interviewing to be our superintendent at Northwest. Um, My dad really wanted him, but people at Northwest have a stick up their rear about him. So they didn't let him come in to be superintendent, so he's still uh, principal at North Canton. So he was talking to him. Um, Good conservative man. I would say he's lost, but has good conservative values and he my dad was talking to him and Eric was venting to him about a student in their high school that was wanting them her name is I'm not going to share it just because who knows where stuff goes nowadays we'll just say her name was Stephanie and she wants to go by Steve she that's the pronoun she wants and Eric was like okay well we're going to talk to her parents make sure you know that that's indeed what they wish for their child Um, And he mentioned that to the student body that had approached him and said, hey, this is how she wants to be called. You know, this is the pronoun she wants used." and blah, blah, blah. He said, "Okay, I'm going to talk to the parents. Well, they went and complained to some rights department who came back to Eric and said, no, you cannot go to her parents. You have no right to go to her parents because that will cause undue stress to that kid. If they want to be called by that name, that's up to the kid, not the parents. Parents have zero control over that. And I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, and it's we see it but it further emphasizes how important it is to be very close to your parents because there's a reason why Satan is trying to split that. I mean, just go online and search schools, parents. Just Google that phrase. You will see story after story of, I mean, even Biden's made remarks. The uh, director of education, whatever that clown's name is, has made remarks about trying to separate parents from the students. The parents have no right to tell the the schools what they're going to teach their children it's satanic. It's this world system and it goes right into what we're talking about tonight, wanting to control and conform these children, wanting to take these children, wanting to take you guys all the way from kindergarten and even younger all the way on up through your age and control you and conform you into this world's image, into this this world system. So I just thought it was interesting though, the attack on parents. Man, don't take your parents for granted because this world is going to use things to try and shift your view of them, to try and force you guys to lose respect for them, for try and skew how you guys view them, don't don't believe it. There's a reason why, I got, why God says in the Bible, honor thy father or mother. God will bless you. He will protect you for doing that, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't feel right. Um, so as far as authority structures go, man, I swear parents are really under attack right now. All right, so tonight we're going to be looking at, like I said, not conform to this world. Um, so flip over to Romans 12. It's on your sheet, but I always just like seeing it in the Bible as well. Romans 12. i got two cups of water today. I'm not running out. Like oh, Were you guys like trying out to draw candlesticks on Sunday? Nope. Is that what that was? <laughs> okay. You guys are all ready for Pastor Stephen's Sunday message. <laughs> draw a ring, kiss the ring. All right, Romans 12, so not conform to this world. We're going to start in verse 1 and read 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, there it is, will of God. So we are called to not conform to this world, And the opposite of that is to be transformed, be different, to be renewed, to have our mind renewed. And way back when we were looking at sanctification, you guys remember the little experiment I had up here? I had like two different liquids. They looked very similar. You could see a line in the center, but they both had a yellowish tint. And then I dropped blue in it and said, "Okay, when you add the word of God, when you add prayer to your life and you allow those catalysts, those ingredients in your life and to have their work inside of you it will sanctify you his truth will sanctify you it will make you different it will make you stand apart so we have our little christian up here again and you got the world sitting on top of him that yellow gunk which i think is interesting you know that oppression that sometimes you can feel like the world is coming down on you pressing down on you but you're that blue all right and that's the the transforming that's the renewing that's the difference when you're spending time and you have a thriving relationship with jesus christ but just think, or well, don't be deceived into thinking once you're in this state that Satan has backed off the grips on trying to make you look like this world. There's a reason why God has in the Bible a will to be sanctified for you, but then also to not be conformed to this world. Because once you're sanctified, it doesn't mean you're off the hooks that you won't look like this world. It's very easy for you to slip right back into that. When I first looked at these seven wills, I'm like, that's weird that God has be sanctified and also not conformed to this world. When you read that, you can think that they're very similar. And they are. But, man, there's huge differences I want to look at tonight um, to hopefully differentiate the two, sanctification being that that act that you do in your relationship with God, but then being conformed to this world, how Satan is constantly trying to weigh down on you, constantly trying to conform you to this world system. So conform means to comply with, to yield like going on a highway, allowing it to have its way. To be or become similar in form, nature, or character. To act in accordance or harmony. I love that definition. When we get to our little experiment up here, I'm going to go back to that and just kind of get that in your mind. Conform, to comply with, to yield. Basically to say, all right, I give up. I'm done. It's too much. Just, just. all right, just give in. How many of you guys have ever been into temptation and you just get to the end of it and you're like, I can't anymore, I'm out, I'm done, I've been there. It's conforming to this world. It's allowing this world to have its work and not allowing Jesus Christ, not allowing this book to have its work. There's always a way out, there's always a space of grace. Sometimes we can be blinded into thinking, this is it, and we just we yield into the, wor- the way of this world. So the title of this message, kind of weird, but I thought it was impactful. Who will you look like? Who are you going to look like? When the world looks at you, who are you going to look like? Are you going to look like Jesus Christ? Or are you going to look like this world? There's a cost for looking like Jesus Christ. Some of you guys experience persecution every single day at your school. Good. You ought to. I didn't experience near enough persecution at school. You should look different. And we're going to look at verses, very familiar verses, that I want you guys to ask yourself, is this taking place in my life? So point number one, we first need to realize that we are moldable. We are moldable people. We We were molded all the way from the beginning, and we continued to be moldable throughout the rest of our lives. Your first bullet point, we were formed out of the ground. Flip over to Genesis 2. I think this is a good place to start. Our very essence, the very beginning of our life starts with a forming. When we get there, can I have somebody read verse 7? Not everybody at once. I love that picture because really that's how we ought to be every day just dead to ourselves. Think about what Adam was here. He was death. He was dust. He had no will of himself. You know who had his will? Who had his direction for his life? God. He picked him up, a dead substance, and gave him life. His life. And We know the end of the story and what happened, but God had free course in his life. God had free course in forming him in exactly who he wanted him to be. And he came out to be the perfect human being that God wanted him to be. But unfortunately, he fell down to sin. You know, we have the ability every single day to allow God to pick the dust of our life up and form us into exactly who he wants us to be. But man, our will can be strong. and We don't yield to him all the time. We yield to this world and allow this world to form us. Because in the moment, it can feel really good. I love that picture or that video we shared a camp a couple years ago it's the chisel you know when he comes in he's like it's gonna hurt and he starts talking through some things and he's like all right all right and he starts chiseling at it sometimes it hurts especially when you've gone so long in your life and god's like all right i gotta form you but there's some things that need broken up first i can't form you as hard as you are i gotta chip it off i gotta water it i gotta i gotta soften you up sometimes we're not willing to go through that process it's a lot easier to have god form you and stay formed the rest of your life than to go down this dark road and then try and come back. It's not impossible. It's absolutely possible. You're sitting in here tonight and you can respond to that. But we were formed out of the ground and we can continue to be formed. Um, We we ought to be continued to be formed. Uh, The next point, we are clay. Flip over to Job chapter 10. Clay's a beautiful little substance. When I was thinking of what to do tonight, there were things with clay, Play-Doh, And I just thought it was kind of cool just to bring back full circle the sanctification picture. But clay is a unique little substance. All right. Job chapter 10, verse 9 says, Remember, I beseech thee that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again? God has made us as the clay. All right, flip over to 13. We're just going to look at all these because they're right here in Job. Verse 12, your your remembrances are like unto ashes, your bodies to bodies of clay. Your bodies are like clay. And then lastly, 33, 6. Behold, I am according to thy wish in God's stead. I also am formed out of the clay. Who care can give me some interesting facts about clay? I'm not looking for a whole dissertation, but just some unique things about it. Got it. Like, very malleable. Yeah, can be. It can be watertight. watertight? Yeah. Like, Explain. Like it doesn't let water pass through it. Okay, it can, it's pretty dense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what else? You, can make pots. <laughs> <laughs> you make pots out of it? It can hold dirt? <laughs> what happens when clay sits out in the sun for a long time and doesn't get water? Dries up becomes very hard to mold, becomes impossible to mold without breaking it up and adding some water to it. God t- tells us that we're clut Go ahead. Go ahead. If you, uh, if you fire it in a kiln and then you break it, it can be one of the sharpest things. I knew I'd regret calling on him. Like ceramic knives are super sharp and they don't dull very easily. If I was going down the route of being dry as a good thing, I would use that. But no, we're not going. But that was good. I I feel wiser for it. <laughs> when when you don't let this water I mean very simply when you don't let this water come into your life and have its work, you become very hard. Become very hard hearted to this word. You become very stubborn and God tries to come in and do a work in you and you're like, No, no and you're fighting it every every step of the way. Sometimes it's hard to get up and read God's word. I've been there and it makes me feel like crap because I'm like, I, I should never view God's word as a duty or as a, a checklist. But sometimes you have to approach it by faith. And I'll tell you what, it still doesn't work. It's a lot easier to do it out of love and to wake up and want to meet with your Savior. And you can become very soft. And when you're sitting here on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings hearing these things, God can do so much more with you when you're soft. And you've already allowed this word to water its way into you throughout the week. When you don't spend time with God on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, then you come here on Wednesday night, don't expect God to do some miraculous thing to you. You haven't prepared your heart. You haven't prepared for his working. Same thing on Sunday mornings. How much water are you adding to your life? Because we're clay, which can be a great thing when we add water to it, but it can be a horrible thing when we don't. And then the last point here, you will conform to this world or God. Who is your potter? Who is forming you? Who is molding you? Can I get two readers? Jack, can you go to Isaiah 64, 8? And then Sam, can you go to Matthew 4, 8, 9? The rest of us go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Just kind of laying some obvious groundwork here, but I, st- I think it's important. Somebody else could Ephesians chapter 2. All right, Jack, can you go ahead and read Isaiah 64, 8? Can you say that about your life? We're all clay, but who is your potter? Who's doing the work? When you look at your life, can you see God's fingerprints all over your actions? One of my favorite songs is Stephen Curtis Chapman, Fingerprints of God. And I know it's about creation and, you know, how beautiful you are because God created you. But does your life have his fingerprints all over your life? Can you look back over the last five years of your life and be like, yeah, that was God. That was God. That was God. God." because of your submissive heart. If you can't, that's not God's fault. He was there waiting to do work, but you were probably too hard. Probably didn't have enough water in you to where he couldn't really work with you. Matthew 4, 8 and 9. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee, thou wilt fall down and worship me. So you got two things got two offerings here you got god's life or you got the devil's life which he offers a lot he offers what we can see and god offers what we can't which one are you going to allow yourself to be molded into do you want to allow yourself to be molded into this present time or do you want to be molded into the to eternity you all know there's going to come a point where you look back and you wish that god was your potter but Satan, every day, will make this area, this world, look as attractive as possible. He'll make it look good to your eyes. He'll make it feel good in your pride. He'll make it make your flesh feel good. And he did the same thing with Jesus Christ. Took him up and said, look, you can have it all. He'll offer you, every, he'll, he'll give you the things of this world. Anything to pull you down. Anything to get you to conform to this world. He'll give you the evil desires of your heart. And then Ephesians 2, verse 2, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Why would we want to go back and look like the world? Always, You guys, we always need to remember what we've been bought from. We've, we're have different. We've been set apart. We've been saved why would we want to go back to looking like this world? And it's easy to sit in here and be like, well, I'd never go back. I, I, don't, I don't want to go back to that. I know the things of this Bible. And then, man, we go out into this world, and it can be so easy to slip right into it. Be careful. First John says there's children of God and there's children of the devil. There's nobody in between. You are serving one or the other. Which one do your actions show? Which one, are you being, con- being conformed to every single day? And point number two, we are strangers in this world. Your citizenship, it's your blank, changed the moment you were saved. Changed the moment you were saved. Flip over to 2 Corinthians 5. Just a couple pages over. Corinthians 5. Can I have somebody read verse 17? Rachel. Again, old things are passed away. Why would we want to bring them back in? Your identity has changed. You are a new creature. God looks at you as a child. God looks at you as his spouse, his bride, waiting to come home to him. Why would we want to go out and have an affair? Why would we want to go out and cheat on our husband? Ephesians 2 6, you don't have to go there. It says, And hath raised us up, Jesus Christ, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Our home has changed. Our final destination has changed. Our entire purpose has changed. Why would we want to allow ourselves to be conformed to this world? We're strangers, we're ambassadors. And then next we are in this world but not of it. Can I get two more readers? Ben, can you go to John fifteen nineteen? And then Caleb, John seventeen, fourteen. The rest of us flip over to Ephesians three. Yes. Ephesians chapter three. All right, John fifteen, nineteen. If you were of the world, the world would love for some, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world be you. The world's going to hate you. The world should hate you. If the world doesn't hate you, something's wrong inside of you because you look too much like the world. 1714. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because thy are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Yep. We are not of this world. The second you get saved, you are made to sit in heavenly places. You are not of this world. Remember that it's so easy to get disconnected from that. Ephesians 3 verse 8, Paul talking here, says unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. His desire is to have the church display his wisdom to principalities, to powers in the world and the universe, that they can look and say, wow. Angels, evils, everybody can look at the church and say, this God is untouchable. This God is insane. And we rob God of that glory. We rob ourselves of that opportunity when, this, when we allow this world to conform us and take us away out of that purpose. We can't do this when we allow the world to conform us, when we allow the world to change us, when we allow sin, as we look at a little bit later, to slip in. Because there are certain ways that Satan will, certain platforms that Satan uses to conform you. Believe it or not, we have control over this. We allow him in. But we are in this world, not of it. Look down at verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. You're going to be filled with two things. One of two things. This world and its pleasures or the fullness of God. What is your sustenance? What is your fulfillment? What gets you excited each morning? Really, what, what puts a smile on your face? What... When your friends let you down, when your family lets you down, when your school lets you down, when your sports let you down. A good sign that this world is conforming you is when those things let you down and you are down in the dumps. And that is the only thing that's been holding you up. That's where we looked at when we were looking at uh, to be thankful. Paul, when he said, they've all forsaken me, except Jesus Christ. If all those things forsook you, if everything, everything you had in your life, or anything that you think is worldly on a standard good, is Jesus Christ enough for you? Because if he's not, this world has a grip, big or small, has a grip on your life. and It's only a matter of time before that grows. We're in this world, but not of it. Next point, you must to- must be totally surrendered to God. First Corinthians 15.31 says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. What does that mean? I die daily. I'm getting very basic here, Carson. Flesh on a daily basis. How does that How does that look practically, though? What does that mean, Emily? it could be as simple as like reading your Bible in the morning, just getting your attitude and right with God. Right? Okay. How is that dying to your flesh, though? Yeah. What are some of the lessons? Like getting up in the morning. How, for me, dying to the flesh is saying, all right, you, you lazy piece of crap. You're not going to sleep in. You're not going to hit the snooze button. It's telling you. It's like fasting. It's looking at your body and saying, no, shut up. I'm going to fulfill the will of my father. Dying to yourself, telling yourself, no, you don't have power over me. God is the one that's molding me. God is the one that's conforming me. I'm going to be conformed to his image. When I sleep in and hit the snooze, or when I give in to whatever sin that Satan is tempting me with, I'm giving this world more and more power over my life. I'm becoming to look more and more like the world. We think it's just physical. And as we see with this experiment, it's not. It starts internally. Notice how in Ephesians 3... It talks about unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. God's very concerned with how you look spiritually to the world. Yeah, he wants you to have a good physical testimony here, but it all starts internally. But you need to be totally surrendered to God. Flip over to Luke chapter 9. Telling your flesh, no. Familiar verse, but I think it's important to look at. Verse 23, Luke chapter 9, Jesus speaking, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, do not stop there, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Say no to yourself. Take up the calling that God has given you and go and follow him. What have you been giving into your flesh that you're allowing this world little pieces of your body i'm telling you it's like a weed it doesn't just stay with one little piece satan is not satisfied with just part of you and god deserves more than just part of you you can't serve both god wants it all satan's not going to stop until he has it all which one are you yielding to next point god commands us not to be conformed to this world which is pretty straightforward. James 4.4, 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, against God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Flip over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John, and then can I get a reader for Colossians 2.8? eight Carson. Isn't that bizarre to think that we can be in a position where we're at enmity with God, the very God that sent his son to die on the cross? It's very sobering to think of that, that our very actions, our thoughts, really just look at Jesus Christ on the cross and spit on it. And say, yeah, I appreciate it, thanks. Man, we take it for granted. First John chapter 2, verse 15 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of, love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, we already hit on this, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. All these things that you see are going to go away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Again, Satan offers the present. Satan offers this world. God offers eternity. Do you want your actions to abide forever, or do you want them to abide for a season and then burn and suffer loss when you stand before Jesus Christ? I mean, really, it, it, plain and simple, that's that's really what's at stake, is what you're investing in. Go ahead, Carson, Colossians 2, eight. Beware, lest any man spoil you, spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. Yeah, you see the mind game there? Go ahead, read that. Read that again. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Philosophy, rudiments of these of this world, vain deceit. The trying to get into your mind. And man, we see that nowadays. It's deceitful. It's empty promises. It's like what Satan was offering Christ. Here, you can have everything in this world. This world's passing away why do that's, that's like giving it's like blowing up a big balloon and saying dude you can have everything in this balloon and you're like it's empty it's nothing it looks cool this world is going to pass away it's gone but this world they try and infiltrate your mind that's why you got to be having your nose in this scripture to renew your mind because it's very easy to get sucked into these thoughts these deceitfulness that's not a word Deceitfulnesses. I don't think that's a word either, but we're going to go with it. It's very easy to get pulled into the deceptions. That's better. Don't let it. I'm telling you, I, there's been moments these last two years with COVID where I'm like, okay, are we crazy? I mean, it can feel like that. You look around, and then, man, we come into the house of the Lord. I'm like, oh, no, we're, we're good. Again, that's why church is so important. But this world, I'm telling you, Satan's not going to stop until he's bound in the lake of fire for all of eternity. He will not stop there's no one with greater pride than Satan. Don't think he's going to rest. We're not going to turn to these, but Exodus 23, 2, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Reminds me of a, a psalm, though hand join in hand, the, the unjust shall not be unpunished. Doesn't matter how many people are doing this, stay away from it. They're wrong. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Galatians 1, the end of verse 4, it says that he might, Jesus Christ, deliver us from this present evil world. Christ is trying to pull you out of this present evil world. Why would we want to go into it and allow it to have its work in us? Don't. God commands us not to be conformed to this world. Don't allow it to. Obey what the Bible says. As simple as it is, obey what the Bible says. Be washed by this word. Spend time talking to God. And I want to spend a little bit more time here on point number three. We allow the devil to mold us when we are in darkness. Want you to think about that for a little bit? We allow the devil to mold us when we are in darkness. Flip over to Proverbs chapter seven. I'll tell you, God's been bringing the strange woman up to my mind in all kinds of different Bible studies and conversations lately, and I think it's no coincidence. but the devil gets his platform the devil is able to come in when we are in darkness what is darkness the absence of light the absence of light what else think about practically when are we in darkness the lights are off oh my gosh when I'm sleeping think very very just practically when do you find yourself in darkness practically when you're living this life when you're what say it. Somebody say it. When you're in sin. When you are in sin and you're saying no to God and yes to this world, you are in darkness and you are saying yes, Satan, come on in. That's where I, I remember hearing in JBI, forget who shared it, so Pastor Stephen, you're getting the credit for it. The Latin word for witchcraft is pharmaceutica. Okay. Probably, yeah. Pharmacia, pharmacy, whatever. Yeah, pharmaci- yeah pharmacia, you're right. Yeah. Um, I think that's very interesting because pharmakia what do you think of Pharmacy. yeah pharmacy drugs so if you're a pharmacist bad bad <laughs> i'm just kidding but drugs and have you ever heard testimonies of people that are on drugs and they have some weird experiences weird you can call them hallucinations you can call them out-of-body experiences you can call them just interacting with the dark world but it's weird and and i truthfully believe that it's it's a gateway into into realms that we're not meant to touch in this world. But it's a gateway. It's giving them a platform. It's like guys that mess around with pornography. It's a platform allowing Satan to come into your life. It's a darkness allowing Satan to come in and do things in your household that you're just busting down the door. All sin is like that. You're allowing Satan to come in. Look in Proverbs 7 verse 5. Uh, let's go. Let's, let's do verse 4. Start in verse 4. Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. That's who we're going to be looking at. Look in verse 9. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Look in verse 18. So it's all about the strange woman. We're not just for time's sake, we're not going to work through it all, but I want you to see some highlights here come let us let us take our fill of love until the what so when's it taking place in the night until the morning let us solace ourselves together uh, let us solace ourselves with love's and then look at verse 27 her house is the way to hell it doesn't get any darker than that going down to the chambers of death she works this strange woman being a picture of these false religion system being a picture of Really, Satan's method of pulling you out, pulling you into this world, operates in darkness. Every time you're mingling with sin, every time you're mingling with darkness, you're allowing this strange woman to come in and have her way. And again, this strange woman can be many different things. But every time you're allowing that sin into your life, you're saying, come on in. You're allowing Satan to come in and have his way with you. Again, we have the opportunity to say no. But when we enter into sin, we're saying, by all means, come on in. Flip over to Matthew 6. This will be the last place we turn. There's a lot of different methods we can allow darkness into our life. There's a lot of different ways that we can entertain sin. Jesus speaks very uh, specifically about one way, and that's through our eyes. Verse 22. We'll start in 21. That's a good verse. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. Okay, so what lights up in your body, what allows you to see things in this world is your eye. If therefore thine eye be single... Thy whole body shall be full of light. If your eye is focused, you got one mind, and you're like, you know what, God, I'm doing everything that you want me to do. That's my focus in this life. Man, what a blessed way to live. Are you single focused on what God has called you to do? Your whole body will be full of light. You will stand out. You will be different. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. In verse 24, no man can serve two masters. For he, either, for he either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You're either letting light into your life or you're letting darkness into your life. What are you allowing through your eyes? Very interesting passage there. Because what comes into your eyes goes into your thoughts, and you think and you dwell on that. It's like Job. You don't want to look on a maid because you don't want to think on a maid. You don't want to have that... Desire, because then you know what it does, it turns to action. I've had people at work um, make comments about, you know, they'll have pictures of girls on their phone and they'll be showing each other. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. They're like, oh, you can look. You can look at the catalog. Like, yeah, the problem is you look at the catalog, you get those thoughts in your mind, and then that's when you start ordering from the catalog. I'm like, do you guys see the progression? I'm like, I don't even want that in my mind. And then I I stick it to them. I'm like, yeah, my wife's good enough for me. But it drives me nuts. It's, it's this idea that we can control what's coming into our eyes. Our eyes are our first line of defense a lot of times because if we don't see it, if we're, if we really don't have the ability to think about it. Okay, It's like any vulgar thing you've ever seen in your life. If you haven't seen it, how can you really in your mind think about it? If you've never seen the color red and somebody said, hey, describe the color red to me, you wouldn't have a clue. Go up to a blind person and have them describe a flower to you or have them describe what a cloud looks like. Maybe some might. I don't know. Helen Keller probably could. She had the Spirit of God living inside of her. But think about it. Your eyes, man, what you guys let inside. Are you letting light into your eyes or are you letting darkness? That's Really, that's the first line of what you're going to be conformed to. So, this little experiment. So we have our Christian on the bottom. We have this world on top. And then in comes what your eyes are looking at. We have this cool little substance right here. Mystery substance. So you're like, you know what? I'm going to allow my eyes to entertain this. I'm going to look at it. And I'm going to let it into my life. But before we do that, you guys know what the liquid are, so it's no surprise. When you're in this world, and the world come at you, and more of the world is around you, and more of the world comes in, it doesn't change you. You stay separate. That world, yeah, it can become heavy on you. But you still stay different. More of the world, we're going to be in the world. We're called not to be of it. Let it bounce off. Let it stay outside of you. But when you allow it to come into your eyes and you think about it, and then you start to manifest, and then you start to act upon it, it poisons you. you see how quickly you can look just like this world and the thing, thing is I know Carson's probably looking well the world was yellow you're green now well if you look at Proverbs I know you're thinking it I was trying to figure out what the chemical. was yeah you don't know it's a secret it's evil it's sin but Proverbs 5, 6 what do we know about this strange woman? her ways are what? what are they? begins with an M ends with an uvable They're movable. They're different. They change. Satan can manifest himself as an angel of light. He will look and change into whatever he needs to to get you to look like anything other than Jesus Christ. He will give you the good. He will give you the better to keep you from getting the best. He will do whatever he can to keep you out of God's will. There's times where you'll be doing something you're like, well, this isn't that bad. There's way worse things. Yeah, but it's still probably of the devil. What's the best? What does God have for you? Because, man, Satan will look completely different. Well, he didn't look exactly like the world in this instance. Yeah, but it wasn't God. What are you allowing into your life? Because, man, that's hard to come back from. And when I find the science experiment on how to do it, then I'll do it. But it's hard hard to come back from that. When you allow that steady diet of Satan, of this world working you, changing you, because then pride sets in. Then what are people going to think when I become this when I became this hardened clay and now God's going to have to grind me to powder. Now God's going to have to break me up. Now God's going to ha- have to add an immense amount of water. Man, but I'm doing this for God. I'm doing who cares? I I'll tell you the the most awesome thing as a leader is when I have a conversation with a student that's like yeah, you're going to be surprised by what you're about to hear. And then they lay it out, and I'm like, dude, you have no idea what you just saved yourself from by swallowing your pride and getting ahead of this now. You don't want to turn into some sinful gunk. And it's inside. A lot of times, man, we can, we can hide this, but it comes out. You can only fool us for so long. You can't fool God at all. So uh, really, what's the point? But what are you allowing into your life? Who are you allowing to conform you, to mold you? So in closing, we are to live as little Christs. And your blank is Christians. Always setting forth a holy example for the lost and other believers around us. I love Pastor C was sharing a couple of weeks ago about Acts eleven twenty six, 26, and I never saw it like this. But what, who were called Christians first in Antioch? Disciples. You see, you're a disciple before you're actually called a Christian, a little Christ. Man, we throw that term out there. But are you actually a disciple of Jesus Christ? And that really discipleship is that conforming process, that working, that teaching, that understanding what the Bible says, letting the Bible have its way with you. Discipleship. Now we're not going to turn there, but Philippians 3, 7 through 10, I just want you guys to listen. It says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. This world, these things that were gained, get them out of here. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. That's a man that was conformed to Jesus Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection in the fellowship of his sufferings, here's the key, being made conformable unto his death. You see, it's conformable. You are always in the process of being conformed unto his death, dying to yourself daily. You know, the unresolved sin in your life is all Satan needs as a platform to conform you to his image, to conform you to what this world looks like. That's all he needs. He will slip in there and he will feed it and feed it and feed it. Those little sins in your life, get them out. Those are the very things that could be the death of you. Take those sins out and just extrapolate them out. See, what, see where they'll take you in five, ten years. It's not a good place. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. He can't conform you if you're not allowing him to come in. It's like a robber can't rob your house if you don't let him in your house. It's the same thing. Don't, don't let Satan into your life. Don't do the things that give him free course in your life. Don't let him into your mind. Don't let him brand himself on your brain. Don't let him into your feelings. Don't let him into your emotions. Give those all to God. Invest in eternity, not in this present world. Don't let the sanctification process that God did in your life all go to waste by the sin that you let inside your life let it mean something let Christ's death mean something in your life so don't be conformed to this world you're going to be conformed to one of two people one of two objects Jesus Christ to this world which one do you want to look like when you stand before Jesus Christ do you want to look at him and just be filled with regret and weep or do you want to look at him and say man God I gave it all that I had I tried every day to look like you, and God, when I didn't, I made it right. I made it, I, I resolved my sin quickly, because I know if I didn't, Satan was going to come right in. And Father, I'm sorry for falling short there, but God, you are always faithful and just to pick me up. Have you had those moments with God? They're sweet. Some of the sweetest moments I ever have with my kids is through disciplining, is through spanking, and we get to the end, and the restoration that we have. Have you had those restoration moments with God? Because if you haven't, you're allowing Satan just to use you like a marionette and you don't even know it. Let God conform you. Let God have his way inside your life. All right, let's pray. Father, again, as with all of these, there's so many things that your Bible talks about, especially concerning being conformed to this world and just the evil that's in it, Father. Father, I'm sorry for the things that I can let go unresolved far too long. Father, please bring to surface things in all of our lives in this room tonight that we need to deal with, God, that Satan has a foothold in our life, that Satan has a place in our life where he's just slowly, slowly wearing us down, slowly drawing us into sin. God, you sent your son to die on the cross for us. Don't let us spit in that. Don't let us take that for granted, Father. God, we don't deserve your grace, we don't deserve your mercy, but you offer it, Father. We owe you everything. So, Father, please have your hand on this ministry, on uh, the leaders, Lord, on these students. Father, that we would become uh, more and more conformed to your image so that when we stand before you um, in eternity, Father, we can lift our head up. Lord, and you can look at us and say, well done, a good and faithful servant. So we love you, we thank you, and proudly things in Jesus' name. Amen.